0: Welcome to Second Star to the Left, a podcast on everything fantastic, strange, and science fictional. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, joined, as always, this week by... I'm Bert. I'm Chris. I'm Katie. What are you all enjoying this week?
1: Uh, I, Bert, uh, I'm reading quotations from Chairman Mao. Um, (laughs) I have been playing Bloodstained, uh, which is a really great Symphony of the Night clone game that is awesome. I... Binge watch season one of Dark on Netflix, which is really fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, sci-fi, th- hoary Dark. I don't even know about this. Oh man! You, so so everybody, on this, everybody on this podcast would love it. I can tell you. They just they're on season two now. And um oh, watching SGDQ because I love speedrunning. So <laughs> I am reading a book called Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. It's okay. A little hard to explain. It's a kind of noir thing set in a world that is clearly inspired by and kind of almost satirizing Harry Potter. But it's, like, very much written by and, like, in the context of, like, progressive Twitter Harry Potter is the only book I've ever read universe. Uh... And it, like, I don't know. We'll see. I'm halfway through. We'll see how it goes.
2: Oh, I'm enjoying some ennui. That's about it.
0: Did you say ennui? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not reading anything. My anxiety's been so bad. I can't do anything lately. Sounds
1: like a party over at Katie's right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's super fun. Uh.
0: For me, um, I've been rewatching Fringe. Uh, which is one of my all-time favorite TV shows. Uh, Fringe, for me, is one of my favorites. It has a lot to do with family, um, but uses a sci-fi milieu to tell those stories, and I'm just a huge fan of it, and I love the characters in the show very, very deeply. So uh, it's been a real treat to go back and watch that, and maybe I'll do another podcast uh, just rewatching Fringe because I love it so, so much. <laughs> This week, we're talking about the James Cameron 1989
1: film, The
2: Abyss. It was alive. It was like a a dance of light. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I don't think they mean
0: us any harm. I don't know how I know that. Whatever happens
1: up to us. That guy scares me more than anything that's down there.
2: We all see what we want to see. Coffee looks and he sees
1: hate and fear. You have to look with better eyes than that.
0: So The Abyss um, is, as I mentioned, a 1989 sci-fi film directed by James Cameron. This was, I believe, his fourth film, or fourth major film. James Cameron, you might be familiar with, uh, his first major film was The Terminator, a classic one adapted from a Harlan Ellison short story, and then followed up with Rambo and his next major hit, uh, another sci-fi film, Aliens. So The Abyss came after Aliens about three years after it was a project of his that he adapted from some high school uh, short story writing that he had been doing.
1: Yeah, uh, I like how much how much legwork you're trying to make the word "adapted" use in in all these scenarios, especially Terminator, where he literally stole the short story <laughs> and had to pay Harlan Ellison for it after extensive legal action. Um, <laughs> you
0: did no, you no legal action for The Abyss? I'm as far sorry. As we know. Did you
1: mention Rambo: First Blood as well?
0: I glossed over that one. Yeah,
1: well, I don't think you should. Cause Rainbow Two. Yeah, it's a big heap and pile. So, uh, I mean, I got a lot. I got a lot to go into about James James fucking Cameron, especially after this. But
0: yeah. So the movie begins uh, with a submarine, the USS Montana, um, being uh, running across an unidentified submerged object and sinks. The United States recruits uh, a team of oil rig divers and drillers to uh, rescue the submarine uh, and discover what happened to it.
1: It's your classic Armageddon story, but slightly less insane.
0: The ship experiences a severe storm leading the uh, drill rig to be stuck at the bottom of the ocean where they have to encounter uh, the aliens um, and stop a nuclear disaster from happening.
1: And along the way, Ed Harris will reconnect with his ex-wife, possibly. Who and we learned that the, the, the true monster is man, as it always is. Yes. <laughs> and always will be. Yeah, Did, I mean. Like, have you seen Have you seen man lately? Yes. What an asshole. How, how many of us have seen the original version that was not this version? Me. I actually have not. This is the first time I watched The Abyss as i realized this is the, this as is the I was first watching time watching it as well okay, so me but, and me and katie might have a different understanding about yes how much bullshit is in this version yes. how much <laughs> how dramatically it's changed with the ending i'm, well, I'm really interested I, in hearing about that
0: and i will mention for listeners of the podcast we watched the special edition it is which included more information including a tsunami scene uh, where the aliens threatened them to destroy the world um, until they discover that Ed Harris Love and life. his wife embrace yeah. heteropatriarchy. <laughs> so... Wait, is that not in the theatrical
1: version? Okay, I, I, should we break it down now? I mean, let's go, yes. let's go. Okay, this so... is the most important thing for us to talk about, I believe. Okay, so the vet, like a huge bulk that is in the special edition, is not in the theatrical cut. The real main thing that isn't in is. Almost the entire ending sequence. Essentially, the way it's kind of cut is that Ed Harris finds the aliens mm-hmm. at the bottom. They bring him in the thing. They have a kind of, like, first contact moment, which is essentially just, I'm Ed Harris, and hi, and we're the aliens. We saw your message to your wife that you love her. Then... The whole ending with the thing coming up and lifting the boats and he's just back. So it's kind of like the aliens just saw the message and felt bad for Ed Harris and just brought him but it has no bearing on like we judged all of humanity and decided you're <laughs> worthy. None of that is in the original version at all. Okay that's a better ending. That's funny that you say that because everybody seems to like this version and I don't that's know why. insane. Okay so let's go over <laughs> this version's ending. This one that I saw uh, Ed Harris you know, goes down to the bottom of the ocean. He, it's a very self-sacrificing thing. He knew he wasn't going to be able to get back up, but he wanted to disarm this nuclear bomb that would kill all of his friends and also probably the aliens. Uh, The aliens get him off of the bottom of the ocean when he's about to die. They show him that they've been watching lots of television and they see how fucking terrible we are. And then they use their water powers to threaten to end the world. By, you know, gigantic tsunamis show up and just kind of hang out at the edge of every single coast. And then because Ed Harris loves his wife so much, as he realized over the three hours of this movie, uh, they decide not to end the world, thereby giving the world the message, don't kill each other anymore, because if you do, we will kill you. Uh, Which I don't think is a good ending (laughs) And moral to a movie, like it's literally just like instead of us having mutually assured destruction as a result of nuclear warfare, it is the aliens are providing all of the mutually assured. It's the same. It's the same fucking yeah. It's thing. just it's a the same situation with aliens as opposed to it. Yeah. Um, and I, from what I understand, um, the only reason it was changed, I mean, it was partially changed because the movie was too fucking long, but it was also. <laughs> From what I understand, <laughs> it was changed because James Cameron wasn't happy with the way it looked. Not it didn't how, look great. Not how it came across, but just because it didn't look technically great, and that's like—I mean, it doesn't look great. That's like the last reason I would have cut it. Um, no, it's uh, it's just terrible. Exactly, so it's a terrible ending.
2: Yeah. So the ending also doesn't make sense. I mean, there's lots of parts of it that don't make sense, obviously. But so we're led <laughs> to believe that in the beginning, that the thing that they see that crashes down in the water right is is the aliens or something right right okay. non
0: terrestrial intelligence right so like it film.
2: happens a couple of days i guess before the the penulti- like the ultimate scene where like you you see uh, ed harris get rescued by the angel baby aliens um, and he says like, in his message, like, I guess they've been down here a while, like, watching us. It's just like, what? Like, they literally <laughs> just got here. <laughs> right. What part? Like, if if the if the implication was, like, they've been studying us, like, that was definitely left out. So it's like, the aliens just, like, show up and they're like, oh, man, you guys suck. Which, they're not wrong. But it's still, like, you've literally been here for two days. <laughs> so yeah. that's that was the part, like, where I was just like, what? Yeah, because, like, the original ending at least like slightly made more sense because there wasn't as much to analyze which is like oh they just felt bad for this idiot
1: it's a very weird case where the movie got more political in the recut and it's actually worse uh Mm -hmm. because the original movie is like bare like just in the sense that there's military people and there's nukes but like that's they don't like all the shots of them watching tv and seeing what's going on with the world that all that's cut out like I don't even just mean the aliens. Like they have shots where they're watching satellite TV in the, the underwater lab or whatever, and yeah. none of, none of that's in the original. Not at all. To, ugh, crap. You're gonna make me need to watch the original version now because I really need to compare these two, and well, I just spent three hours watching this version. <laughs> here's, there's only one thing that was cut out, that was in this version that I feel like should have been in the original, mm-hmm. uh, um, and that's the Linda Ronstadt song sequence. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's only got about 10 seconds of it, and it's so much better as a full scene. And it's a good song, and it feels like a personal thing. And everything else that's cut out is, like, a uh, bullshit setup. They spend so long establishing who everybody is, when in the original, it's just like, here's here's who they are. Yeah, and, and so, like, yeah, I mean, we started off pretty strong making fun of that this ending and stuff. But honestly, like, as a submarine danger movie, like, that whole part of being trapped underwater and the things they have to do to survive like that whole part of the movie like most of it really worked for me i really like the characters i really liked a lot of the tension i didn't love the like okay now the military guy has gone off the deep end and is the bad guy because i don't think movies like this necessarily need bad guys to be movies but like a lot of the just like character interactions and tension and stuff i thought was pulled off pretty well yeah, I loved this movie as a kid. I had it on VHS, um, the mm-hmm. original version. I've watched it, like, a stupid amount of times. This made me do a real turnaround on it, uh, even on yeah. what I remember. And it's mainly because, well, there's, there's oh, man, there's a laundry list of reasons. <sighs> I mean, you can start with the biggest reason, which is Lindsay. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, for some baffling reason, everybody hates Lindsay in this movie. Um, Everybody's calling her a bitch, and she's like perfectly fine. She's just a capable person who is also friendly and cool yeah. to everybody in- for the entire movie.
0: Yeah, she's a capable woman. That makes her a bitch.
2: Yeah, choo choo, here comes the massage tray.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's like- it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, it's it's out of control. Um, there's the fact that the conflict in this movie is all over the place. It does this really dumb turn once they see the T-1000 water face alien. Um, (laughs) The entire movie turns around in a really goofy way that doesn't make sense.
0: The nuke. Well, that's where I struggled the most with it. It felt like there was multiple movies that were sort of like hemmed together Yes. to make one complete film. Yes. Oh Like, for a moment, I thought I was going to be in a submarine film. I was like, holy shit, I love Hunt for Red October. I love... I love submarine movies. Uh, and
2: I love Down Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I love them. Uh, so uh, here we go. Hell yeah.
1: It's
0: a classic. Um and then we, we transition from that <laughs> and then we have this like uh average everyday grunt film, almost like the first like hour of um the first hour of Let's Armageddon. Like Armageddon. Yeah. Yes. The first hour of Armageddon. And then you have an alien encounter film at the end. And in between that, you have a sort of like trapped at the bottom of the ocean survival film.
1: I like the trapped at the bottom of the ocean survival film. I think that this movie would have been better with no aliens in it at all. They just were so unnecessary to, Pretty much every bit of the plot and just like could have been written out really easily. <laughs> uh, yeah, that the dialogue is terrible in lots of places. I, I, James, Cam- I came to realize about James Cameron that like he's he's a great visual director, he's a great ideas guy when you throw like an unlimited amount of money at him. Um, although it's t- terrible for everybody involved in the making of the film, but. Um, he's an awful, 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 awful writer. And he writes like every one of his projects, except he steals all of the concepts for his projects and then <laughs> rewrites them. And in this case, I, when I was a kid, I really loved the book *Spear* by Michael Crichton, which they did make a terrible movie out of as well. Um, and it's this, this movie is like the exact same fucking thing. It's literally plot for plot, almost the exact same. There's even a sequence where like, uh they're trapped in like part of the the underwater habitat and they there's no way to escape so they have to choose to they have to go underwater and swim to another part of the habitat without any gear and then they get like hypothermic it's like literally the exact same thing um and the thing is is like if i went back and reread that it's a michael Crichton. i probably wouldn't like it that much it's probably michael Crichton is a good ideas guy too like exactly and But see, that's the thing is like, Michael Crichton, I can see seeing this movie and being like, that's fine. I don't want to sue him. Harlan Ellison isn't one of these assholes, like who's all (laughs) ideas, like not ideas, all technical science claptrap. So like, I think Harlan Ellison saw Terminator is like, yeah, that's my fucking idea. And you better pay me. (laughs) He has a little more standards than that. Plus, like. Like I said, like James Cameron can't write this stuff. He's not he's not a writer, he's a director. Just let somebody else write his stuff. Yeah, I did a big turnaround. And I do, I'm in the same boat as uh same boat. I'm in the same uh <laughs> thing as as Matt Underwater Habitat. Exactly. Where I I love um submarine movies. I love any movie where people like a group of people is trapped in like a a s- secluded environment and there's a kind of microcosm of society and stuff like that i love that kind of stuff but
0: the 12 angry men archetype
1: exactly but this movie it's so wasted on this movie like it's it's totally pointless you just want a, a tarkovsky like pot boiler i don't like... i don't want tarkovsky at all i i i want no i mean like i want like the thing or something like sphere okay sure sphere sure, was sure. big on the psychological shit where the, and the aliens are like not quite antagonists, but they're like fucking everything up. And in this movie, it's like Disney. Yeah, that's a, and... So that's the thing that really, I, that really bothered me here about. I there are lots of things really bother me. Obviously, um, the main thing is that this cut was three hours long. But, <laughs> uh what what really bothered me here is that they just showed the alien shows up, and obviously, um, what's his name the The Marine guy was already on the edge of cracking and then he cracks, but it would have been so much more interesting if the aliens weren't so obviously benevolent and it was like, if you could empathize with the military guy trying to do his job and like protect humanity from like a clear threat, if it was like very ambiguous what the aliens were doing and maybe they accidentally hurt somebody or something like that, then the motivations of the characters and the conflicts between them make a lot more sense here and also the existence of the aliens contributes to the movie in some way. So yeah. Uh th- that was missing for me. The actual turn in the movie where it's it's that scene where they see the water thing, uh, the mm-hmm. the water tentacle face thing and then like uh coffee destroys it or, you know, gets rid of it and then they're all like sitting around being like Ooh, what if they have technology that's they're talking like children? Yeah. And honestly, like because of the way the movie is shot, I I and and relayed to me, the viewer, I understand they're benevolent, but if I was trapped in a fucking habitat with military people and nukes and I had literally like sixteen hours of oxygen and a huge fucking water tentacle came in, I don't care what face it has on it, I'd be fucking terrified. And yeah. <laughs> not talking. Oh, these aliens are so magical. So like, the minute Coffee gets pissed and goes in the room and is like, "And went right for the nuke," and they don't give a shit. I'm like, I know this guy's nuts, but like, he's literally making the most sense out of anybody on the fucking submersible. Because right, but the but the movie is put together in a way such that right. his his response can't make any sense because we have this dramatic. It's not dramatic irony. It's just we know. for sure that these aliens are cool right james cameron knows how to direct it to tell me how to feel but he doesn't know how to write it to tell me how to feel at all (laughs) he has no clue how to do that so it's at odds yeah
2: yeah i also remember this much differently granted like i don't think i've seen it since i was like a teenager so it's been a minute um but i also like god with this cut, what you you finally get more of like the alien stuff, like what two thirds, three quarters of the way through, you're like, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot that they were a part of this even. Yeah, and they're just kind of like yeah, like tacked on. Like in the original cut, I think it at least gets there halfway through or something, a more reasonable time frame. I mean, their existence still doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, it just God, it was so long. It's just so so long with all <laughs> the, the TV stuff. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Yeah, there's so much, it's, it's, there's so much padding, like, towards the first hour, you're, cause we, I think we were in the same thing where we've, we've seen it a lot of times as a kid or a teenager, and I was like, man, when do they get to the good shit that I remember? Why am I watching, like, people watching TV, and more of the Bud Lindsay stuff than was ever in the original? Which is all, again, just at the surface of everybody calling Lindsay a bitch for no reason. Um... That was just wild. Everybody <laughs> talks, like, like, coffee is like, I've been waiting to do this since, uh, like, the moment I met you, and then it looks like he's going to rape her or something. Like, yeah. it, like it's so awful. Like, it's so gross. And then he puts the duct tape over her mouth because apparently she won't shut up, even though, like, everything she said for the entire movie has been, like, the helpful and correct thing to say in that situation. And just, like, why, like... Sure, yeah, coffee is the bad guy. Okay, we got to have a bad guy, I guess. But then to just like have that awful fucking moment there. It's just so gross. It shot man. like a laugh moment to like, "Hey, audience, isn't this funny?" Like well, just a lot like you
2: yeah. like paying attention to it, like how much they go to like the shrill woman or like ex-wife trope. It's just I lost count. I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, I get it." She's like I would buy it more, I guess, if I felt like it was like a an insular, like, an insular thing with, with uh, the, the rig, right? Like, they're all friends with Bud, so sort of a rallying, like, oh, she hurt you, so, you know, like, I, I can kind of get that, that sort of, like, loyalty group thing, but the fact that, like, everyone's doing it.
0: Yeah,
1: the U.S. military thinks that she's a
0: bitch.
2: Right, like, that's that was, like, too much for me. I'm like, no, that's not, uh.
1: Ugh.
0: Also, her character arc, it's sort of, like, the inverse of where you want it to be. She starts off like that capable, um, confident person, and um, she doesn't really take any shit from anyone. And then by the end of the film, she's become sort of like infantilized.
1: She gains like blind faith in multiple things, like in in Bud, in Aliens, in like she. It's like she turns her brain off. Like two thirds of the way through the movie, she's like, "Now I just believe in things that other people want me to believe in, or something." Like it's like weird. <laughs> she's regressing that's her character it's a backwards character arc i mean why why did they get divorced did they even touch on that really it's just kind of a who really cares kind of thing it feels like like they argue
2: they 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 talk about it a little bit but it's sort of like a throwaway moment i think like they talk about how like they met because of like confined spaces and you know it was sort of like was a whirlwind romance and then turns out when you go live as like civilians or whatever, or I guess just like regular people, it didn't work or something. I don't know.
1: Oh, well, then this then this reigniting of their spark by being trapped in a dead, like, like <laughs> almost assuredly lethal situation and then miraculously making it out. Like, that's probably a strong basis for a lasting right. reignited relationship. And Ed Harris doesn't change at all as I mean, he's he's a good Not guy. Not
2: true. His hand got blue. He oh, put right. his hand in the toilet for love.
1: Well, if he hadn't have done that, then his tiny little fucking ring wouldn't have stopped the, the giant automated monster door from closing somehow. I don't know how it didn't crush his hand into a million pieces. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Lindsay stuff. Lindsay's like, it's, it's not just that everybody like calls her a bitch and treats her like shit. Um, she's like reverse like she's like reverse Pucci in this movie. Like anytime she's not on screen, everybody has to talk about her and what a bitch she is. And then when she shows up, everybody has <laughs> when where is Lindsay and is she being a bitch right now? It's like it's just constantly like <laughs> why can't we just like I don't know, she's not even that central to the movie. Like I <laughs> in terms of what happens. Um well she's central to the movie in that every movie has to have a romance. Well, I think plot, that's sort of an interesting challenge with what the film. Happens. Is like,
0: as I think about it now, there's really not much that the main characters do to influence the plot of the film. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like coffee is the one that does the most lifting in terms of getting the plot moving somewhere, making people do things. Uh, Lindsay and bud and everyone else is kind of trying to survive and they're just yeah. kind of going along with for the ride. There happens to be a storm. There happens to be um, the crane falls in the water and almost takes up the the diving rig. But in terms of the plot actually moving or things happening, there's not really much that drives it.
1: Yeah, if it was just a survival story, too, I think it, it would work better. But yeah, the minute the aliens, like I said, they all turn, the aliens show up and they all turn around into, no, now we're magically, we're in close encounters. Like, why, okay. Was the nuke that Little Bud had, or whatever it's called, Little... A little Geek. Little Geek. Was that... I, he's Little Bud. He's just Bud, but smaller. Uh, was the nuke going to go off? Like, was it guaranteed to go off? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why? That was my
0: understanding anyways.
1: I thought it would just, if it saw something go in front of it, it could possibly chase it and then go off. Was my... Yep. Okay. Uh, because, No, like, no, no. He put it on a timer. <laughs> Okay, even then, all right, the thing carrying it, Little Geek, is going to like unbelievably high pressure deaths where it's probably just going to get destroyed and the nukes just going to fall down there and whatever. There's like a billion nukes on the submarine as it is. Like, it's just kind of like, do we need to send Bud in the experimental suit to his certain death? Two Yes.
2: No, I yes, think the only good part of the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, number 1 it was good. Uh and number 2, like I think I think that was pretty explained in the plot. Like the nuke was going to go off and everybody on board was going to die and also it would take out the aliens and that's like probably a bad thing well, they because don't. we're sure that the aliens are good. But that's dumb for a lot of reasons. But but my thing when watching it was like cuz when I was a kid I just I just went whatever probably because it was cut better. But in this version it was like it just felt like so out of the blue that they were like okay we killed coffee there's aliens down there then they just it's like a scene transition they're like okay bud we're gonna we're just gonna driving we're just gonna drop you down there and you're gonna do it and then actually my brain even went like well why don't they get one of the navy guys it was like oh because he hurt his leg earlier it's it's very convenient the navy guy can't go down i completely forgot that the navy guys couldn't do it cuz it was not cut tightly enough for me to like remember that. So I just legitimately at the moment when uh when Lindsay was like, "Bud, you don't have to do this." And then he says, "If I don't, who else will?" I'm like, "The guy behind you who's trained to do this? I don't I just don't understand the question." Yeah. Uh so And they're just yeah. dropping him down anyway to his certain death. I would think the navy guy would be more comfortable with that than Bud and also better at disarming a nuclear weapon and all sorts of reasons that you shouldn't have that guy do it but (laughs) (laughs) the like white with black wire versus the yellow with blue wire under that was a nice touch that was that's good design right there (laughs)
2: yeah also but terrible terrible design for the nuke
1: (laughs) yeah most nukes just have two wires in them and one is the one is the blow up wire and the other one is the wire that well, to be fair the power wire. He he wasn't opening up the nuke itself. He was opening up the detonator that they had attached to the nuke. So that's 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 the explanation for that thing. It's um yeah. It's just not, almost not comical that like getting rid of this one nuke will save the entire plot, but there's still a submarine over there with you know, 300 times Hiroshima or whatever nonsense they throw out, like, it's over there. Well, but they don't, there. they don't have the detonators attached, like, that's all, like, in the plot. It's, like, dumb, yeah, but you it's, know. it's in the plot, like, they specifically had detonators to blow up these nukes, that was the plan. Again, though, it's its just in, internally in the movie's language, yes, but, like, right. again, if you were in this situation, like, you're trapped underwater there's all the the nukes and the crazy military people, but also there's aliens. And but they the the cast just takes it for granted. Like, well, the aliens are good, so we don't have to worry about them. But it's like in in any real situation, you'd be like, okay, that's this is like way too many terrifying things at once. <laughs> like, no, thank you, I'm out. Uh, see, it's such a ratcheting up of like. It's just Six. like raise, raising this. Right, exactly. Like, we, we've we got nukes, but what if we had nukes and aliens? Like, your movie kind of only really needs one of those things in it.
2: Like, I also think I maybe would have enjoyed the ending more, maybe even the whole movie more, if, like, the whole thing was they'd actually been here for a long-ass time. Just as, like, casual observers. Like, I think, like, maybe that would have worked a little bit better, especially with the threats, for sure, and their, you know, tsunami tsunami death threats which isn't that a band no Um.
1: (laughs) it should be it should be maybe that can be our first podcast (laughs) t-shirt
2: it's not gonna be woody harrelson's artisanal pickles
1: i don't think we said that on the podcast they can't remember Uh.
2: (laughs) um so yeah it's just i would have maybe even liked it more because like i was like oh this is convenient these aliens are like bioluminescent in the way that you see in deep sea pressures and things like that like oh wouldn't it be cool if and they're like no they actually just got here two days ago i'm like oh well
1: how how was it established they got there two days ago because that's when the navy picked it up or
2: well something went crashing down right like we don't i guess i I don't actually know
0: from my understanding the film itself um the the ship was crashing and that was what caused the sub that happened to intersect and cause the sub to malfunction and then go under.
1: Yeah, because they have, like, newsreel footage from, like, Vietnam and shit. So I assume... I mean, granted, they didn't have to get it live. But, I mean, like, I assume that the the big giant city was there for a long time. And just they happened to have the sub-incident recently. That was just my impression. But I...
2: Yeah, but something came crashing down from the sky. Like, they showed that part, I believe. Oh. And then through the sea.
1: Oh, that's in the new cut then.
0: Yep, Special I, Edition. God,
1: the Special Edition is so much worse. It's so bad. Like Because with without that in the original, it's like, okay, it's fine. There's just a big, you well, know. That,
0: that's the problem with the Special Edition, I think, is that it tries to solve things that don't really need to be solved to explain them away. Um, and you don't need that. It, it, The film, I think, works better with a lighter touch.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Also, I like that, the aliens are supposed to be good, except that their solution is, well, here's a gun to your head, so you better love each other, motherfuckers. <laughs>
1: it's just not a good. <laughs> that's
2: a good. That's a yeah. good long term solution.
1: <laughs> it's ter- yeah. Their morality is the same as ours. Like they're not teaching us anything, or uh, it's just it's just nonsense. It's, it's like such a uh, shallow, like garbage understanding of like how peace could be achieved. I, I just don't understand how you could write this and be like, yeah.
0: That's, well, that's great. Well, it's a ripoff um, rip of the day the Earth stood still. Yeah. But the day the Earth stood still, the aliens come to Earth with a purpose that humanity had just tested atomic weapons. And so they were like, listen, you all need to sort your shit out because now that you have taken this step into developing atomic weapons, you have a greater responsibility because you can't nuke each other. Right. We can't have you like this in the galaxy. And so if you don't then we will destroy your entire civilization. Right. And that at least makes sense.
1: Yeah, James Cameron isn't smart enough for that kind of observation. Like, he just processes everything <laughs> as as bad guy, bad, good guy, good. Like, it's never, you know, military man, bad. Insane military man, especially bad. Aliens, good. Uh, like, it's, it's so six-year-old mentality. Um, I actually, I watched this, like, last week, and... I had an even bigger turnaround in the 30 minutes before this podcast because I watched. I started to watch the making of *Featurette*, and <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think Matt might know a little bit about how they made this movie. I do. It is a fucking nightmare. Um, they went to like South Carolina and found a fucking. It's not abandoned. It's like a a,
0: a half finished uh, nuclear. Yeah, they reactor. never.
1: That's an unfinished nuclear reactor, and they just built. They built a giant set. In, in the big, giant fucking central column and and filled it with water and mass amounts of chlorine and all these beads to, like, darken up the light. All this insane shit, like, absolutely nuts. And everybody <laughs> working on it was, like, miserable. And James Cameron is, like... I mean, we know now he's, like, a crazy fascist on set. But this was, like... I mean...
0: He was coming off of a huge success off of Aliens... Before that, he had done Terminator. Like there was Rambo in there as well, but Aliens and Terminator were two incredible successes.
1: Yeah, well, this making of featurette was—I feel like it was featured on a DVD release—and it runs like a horror documentary. Like it's like (laughs) literally, it's it's Ed Harris like looking distraught and telling stories about how he almost died in that stupid liquid helmet and like, God, seriously, the dude like almost drowned like and all kinds of horrible, like uh, Michael Beans talking about how they were all in that that kind of submarine set with all the debris, and like the generator went out, and you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, and you don't even know how much (laughs) air you have left, and I'm like, like, did people really need to go through, like, horrible trauma and near death for this movie, like, for this to get made?
2: James Cameron, I guess, took a a lot of pointers from Stanley Kubrick in that regard.
1: I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of, like, for example, like, what Kubrick did to, like, Shelley Duvall. stuff. like, he was a real piece of shit, too. But, like, at least Kubrick's, like... (sighs) I mean, I guess you could make the argument that Cameron's really important to Sinova, but not on, like, Kubrick's level. Like, he, he gets a lot of great images, but, like... The subject matter in this movie is worth absolutely no one's. I don't even think it's worth that that rat going through the the liquid scene, <laughs> which oh. they really did.
2: Oh no! I mean, no. Uh,
1: mm. they actually cut that scene. He, James Cameron was like, they cut that scene in England because uh, this is the scene where they they put the they submerge the rat in this breathable liquid in real, which life. is a real thing. Yeah, they but really they also didn't.
0: real actually some submerge the rat in that liquid
1: yeah and he's he's like they cut it in england even though we we told them the rat didn't die and they were like well it looks like the rat's undergoing pain and he's like even though there's no way they could know that and i'm like dude like <laughs> you're like an insane monster like like the rat is clearly like in a horrible agony while it's breathing liquid which it does not do and they just they're I, to him that's like a it's like a benefit he's like great i get this like live scene of this it's like you're a freaking mad scientist, man. For the service of, you know, three hours of the day the Earth sits still underwater. Like, The rat scene was actually... I don't approve of it being done that way or anything like that. But it was a good moment... If we had to have the military guys be bad guys, and I really wish this was a film without villains in it, but if, if we had to have them be bad guys, it was a nice little, like, oh, okay, these guys suck, and we know that, like, this. That, movie that, was, that was well done. The movie doesn't really prevent, present it that way, though. It's it's like, you're supposed to start out that way, and then once you realize that science has created this and and given this ability, you're like, oh, that's wonderful. and magic, Like, they use it at the end of the film. Um, I So, I don't, that, that's not really the way I read that moment though because you know you're you're put into the shoes of um what's the name of the guy with the rat uh it's like hippie yeah hippie yes. Yeah. You, you get put into hippie's shoes and like he is not okay with it at the end and like nobody would be so i i i i actually do think that was relatively well done for what they were trying to do in that moment i think that was the point of that scene like yeah. Like you are supposed to be relieved that the rat isn't dead and it does it is loading the Chekhov's gun for the diving the deep dive later on, but I, I think it, it actually did serve a, a reasonable purpose there for for what yeah. James Cameron was going for. I mean, of the many sins of this movie, it's low. Uh I mean yeah. like the actual stuff the rat went through is pretty sad, but like Yes. I Agree. mean this is a weird case in a movie where like I because I like practical effects. Yeah, and I'd really wish this wasn't done practically. Exactly. It's like, I, I wish they had CGI to make all this bullshit so people didn't have to suffer through this for, you know, however many months or years over schedule <laughs> they went and over budget. Like, ugh, it's just terrifying. Yep. Ed Harris still doesn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. I do really like Ed Harris, and I think he does the best he can with this movie. So that's, yeah, that's he a He tries bummer. really, really hard. Uh, yeah, and then... Lindsay, like christ uh (laughs) i i just don't i i don't get it i he's such a weird director to me like
0: well that's you know i said this earlier jokingly but also seriously the whole climax of the film revolves around and this is talking the new cut the old cut it revolves around heteropatriarchy the alien's decide to save humanity based on Bud referring to his wife and like the resolution of their estrangement and like the aliens are that's what it took for them to save humanity I just
1: I mean the way it was presented in this cut was that they they saw Bud's self-sacrifice and that's what I feel like the movie isn't if, if it got more detailed into... Like, if the aliens talked, they probably would say as much. <laughs> like, they would probably be that stupid and and, and heteropatriarchal. But, like, <laughs> I, I feel like the way it's presented in the movie is so basic that it's almost more of, like... we For me, Like, oh. all we got out of the news networks is people trying to kill each other, but then we saw this exchange, it's like, oh, people can love each other and, and try to... <laughs> it's not so much, like... It is heterosexual me, in the actual movie, but I don't feel like the aliens. It emphasizes
0: yeah. it's the the camera gets close and tight up on wife, like yeah. that like word like sits like prominently right in the screen as they go. <laughs> good thing. Oh, a a wife that is we that is this. good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, we are here. aliens we from across life. the galaxy. Oh, we get this. <laughs> I mean, the it the might matrimonial just, property clause. Well, it
1: might be just this the the idea of commitment in the sense of like giving yourself unconditionally for another person. It might that's the thing. I know in the in the in it's the word wife, which is you know by its nature patriarchal, But like, and the movie has done its best to be as fucking patriarchal as possible up to that point. But I'm just saying, like in a vacuum, it's I don't see the aliens really reinforcing that or the end of the movie as so much as everything that came before that where they yeah they treat her like shit the whole time and
2: what if the aliens can span time and space and they just really love borat
0: (laughs) (laughs) they they and harris is choking out and they're like your wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, they just love wife guys a lot. They love, like, clumsy wife guy and, who's the other wife, you know... Kurt- curvy drowning, wife guy, Kirby wife guy. Dr- the,
0: well, Ed Harris is drowning wife guy. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron is really interested in certain types of relationships and people. He really loves laborers or grunts, like, in the military. Like, that's a theme that comes up in Avatar, that comes up in Aliens... Um, I think it's a present in this film Like he's really interested in the everyday working person, usually working men. Yeah. And then the other thing that he is interested in this film is estrangement and resolving that estrangement. He finds protagonists that have that estrangement very fascinating. And I'm not sure why. I know the first half. But it's half. just a theme. The first half is because like...
1: he used to be like a truck driver or something. And it feels like every, like, lots of movies he's, he does is, like, these are a bunch of truck drivers that happen to be underwater yeah. or in an alien habitat. Um,
0: truck drivers with machine guns fighting um, Xenomorphs.
1: Actually, that could, have, could explain both, because as a truck driver, you literally are separated from everybody for huge swaths of time, and you just, like, the people that you're close to, your family, you just don't see them forever and ever and ever, and then you enter back into their lives. I guess in that case, it's it's just his kind of story. It's just, I don't know. He still treats Lindsay like shit and everybody else does. And it's, it's very, yeah, it's, I mean, if you're going to talk about patriarchal stereotypes, I mean, truck drivers are probably pretty high on the list of people that would engage in those problematic behaviors. I, I don't think his direction is in service of that sort of thematic element I feel like he's he's a guy that clearly is heavily influenced by Kubrick and Spielberg and to the point that it's almost like he's stealing those things, like he's definitely stealing Close Encounters and Jaws and all kinds of, in 2001 in this movie. <laughs> emulating. He's just emulating. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. But uh, <laughs> he would tell you that. But but I mean, like I don't think those directors are as fascinated with those concepts and definitely don't write in those terms. I think their style more fits what they're writing, and James Cameron doesn't. His direction does not match what he's trying to do. And plus, he's not a good writer. So, (laughs) (laughs) And plus, he steals from other people, and he puts his actors through hell. I really don't like James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, because all the things I don't like him aren't necessarily related to his film direction. They're related to other things in the movie industry that he's responsible for. Well, can we... Talk about things that we did like about the movie. It's much easier to talk about all the stuff that was not so good. But
0: I'll say that uh, for me, one of the earliest sci-fi TV shows I grew up watching outside of Star Trek was the 90s uh, TV show Sequest DSV. Yeah. And this reminded me a lot as a sort of precursor to that, um, which I really enjoyed. Sequest DSV being a very light, very liberal envisioning of what the 2010s would look like. It is very different living in it. But Sequest um was a very fun TV show that delved into a lot of this stuff and I think did it a little bit better. Um obviously because it's not trying to do what the Abyss is. I appreciate that reminder. I think Ed Harris's acting in this film is phenomenal, particularly considering all of the things that he was going through in terms of stressors on the set itself. Um, and the bravery to like sit in that suit full of water in a tank full <laughs> of water. Like that is, that's really intense. Um, I appreciated that. And I think, I don't know. I might disagree with Bert in terms of some of uh, the, the movie's long. I'm not going to dispute that. But I almost appreciated some of the films, again, breaking up into those different pieces, that were in the movie. And if each of them had been separate, I would have enjoyed them more. And the time that we spent with them felt appropriate for each story that was being told. It's just putting them all together was too much. So um, I did appreciate that. I think uh, Master Antonio does a great job with her role, despite everyone all the, despite her being her character being poorly set up I think she does a great job um and yeah
1: I actually agree with you as in regards to like the different movies that are in this movie I, I feel like if they were their own movie and just focused on those things this movie would be like a billion times better like mm-hmm. dude like if it was just a psychological thriller horror movie um without the aliens or with a minor alien element as more psychological thriller element as opposed to the wonder and magical alien type thing then it would be way better and i feel like if it was just a we're underwater and we came in contact with these aliens and in like a close encounters thing without yeah, all of the i, it would I think be that's great gotta too. be what happened there is he just loved close encounters and he w- wasn't capable then of making a first contact movie that didn't have the exact same tone with regards to the aliens as Close Encounters. Like, that just couldn't right. happen because he loved Close Encounters so much. I think he could have done that too, though. It just would have had to have been that movie without any of the psychological thriller stuff. Right, right. Well, because, like, clearly the movie was conceptualized as a bottom-of-the-ocean, you know, slow-burn thriller kind of thing. Right, and then you put the aliens in there, and he just can't shoot them in any way except for the same way that Steven Spielberg did. Like, Right. Yeah.
0: A sense of wonder and mystery, that sort of right. um, mysticalness that has to go along with aliens.
1: It's actually a lot of the same problems that I think Avatar had, where it's just a giant blend of different movies, and it would be better if it was just one—if he would just focus in on a thing.
0: It would be so much better. Well, yeah. well, like to, to springboard off Chris's, you know, to stick with that um, Trapped at the Bottom of the Ocean piece, but with Aliens, that's your pitch right there. Exactly. Like, the, the normal movie of Trapped at the Bottom of the Ocean, what is the pressure and stress of that like? Mm-hmm. Now we have Aliens as well. Yeah, yeah. yep. I think that's sort of a, a... To me, I think as a creative person, you know, want to be a storyteller, that also tells me that simplicity... Is sometimes really important for that because the more elements you start to tack on, the more the core dilutes focus yeah. or the the thematic thing that you want to explore gets diluted. Yeah,
1: I mean to be fair, I think we're pretty much just sitting here like asking that the movie be the thing. Um, <laughs> but I like, underwater right underwater though. Uh huh. It doesn't have to. Like I said, if it, if it was. I mean, I don't know, there's... What's that movie, Magic in the Water, where they discover the, the, the... There's these kids that discover the Loch Ness monsters. Oh, Lady in the Water. No, 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 Magic in the Water. <laughs> Lady in the Water is the, uh... The Shyamalan. No, yeah, No, yeah. no, not that. That's horrible. No, there's a movie... <laughs> there's a goofy children's movie called, like, Magic in the Water, I think, which is, like, they discover the Loch Ness monster in a lake, and it's kids, and none of the parents believe them, and then everybody... It's just a fun, goofy children's movie. Like, but it's all... It's not a psychological thriller. <laughs> like that's, yeah. I think if James Cameron wanted to do that, it would be fine. It would work. I don't know. I think he could pull it off. It's just he can't do just that. He has to do. I don't. And also, like he built a giant set in a fucking reactor with with all this. That kind of lends itself to this kind of wonder element. So just focus on that as opposed to the nightmare of everybody being fucking trapped down here and they're gonna die. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. He could totally focus on one thing or the other, and I think either movie would be good. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be the thing. I'd probably like it a little more if it was the thing, but <laughs> well, that's just yeah, I me mean, We all love the thing exactly.
0: So I think something that's also sort of interesting is to look back on it. It's now thirty years old, so okay. God. <laughs> all right. I think what I find fascinating about it too is compared to contemporary cinema. I think the portrayal of the military is very different than how it would have been if it was filmed today. Uh, It doesn't seem to glorify them as much as I feel like a contemporary movie would have, Um, which was interesting. I think that's something that, like, in his films, Cameron has a sort of ambivalence towards the military that I don't see from other directors, which I find interesting. Maybe people will disagree on that, but that's something that stuck out to me as uh, something that would be different today if it was made. I also think that some of the problems that we're speaking to sort of speaks to the ambiguity of the aliens, and sort of how in sci-fi aliens are either protagonists or um, antagonists or benevolent Deus Ex Machina, and in this film are benevolent Deus Ex Machina, and that kind of doesn't jive with the rest of the suspense of and thrill of the film. Like there needs to be if if the aliens in this film were to be that benevolent force, like we said earlier there needs to be more ambiguity because that ratchets up the tension and stressors of being compressed underwater and trapped.
1: You'd probably like the original cut more. Cause yeah, there's more like that whole ending is, it's like five (laughs) minutes and it's, it's, I mean, it's still not, I mean, I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I'd still be like, eh, it's not as good as I remembered it, but this was like, a whole different matter. Whereas I think if I if I watch if I watch the theatrical cut, it'd be like, okay, it's not as good, but I still remember these things that I liked. It's at least streamlined, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. Um, this cut was like I, I don't I don't know I was I was just so surprised at how much praise there was for the 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 special edition. I... <laughs> Cameron's relation to the military is really weird. He has this kind of like. They're, like, a necessary evil? I guess they're not necessary, but he has, like... He definitely respects them on some level. I feel like it's a bad apples thing for him.
0: Mm, that bit sense.
1: They're bad if they go crazy underwater because of a syndrome that you get. But otherwise, they're good. Like, the other ones are fine if they're influenced the right way. I'm like, mm, not really, but... <laughs> I guess it's better than like. However, they're in. They are in like the Avengers movies or, or Captain Marvel or whatever.
2: What kind of wife genre is this though? Is it alien wife or is it undersea wife?
1: Uh, <laughs> mermaid wife.
2: Uh, definitely not
1: mermaid.
0: No, not no, yeah, not that's mermaid. Pretty specific.
1: I feel like this is like it's not quite CEO wife, but it's definitely
0: strong like, boss wife.
1: wife. Yes,
0: boss wife. <laughs> what? Boss wife, Boss,
1: exactly. <laughs> manager wife. This is a yes.
0: Manager wife is it? Yes. This is a subcategory of manager wife. <laughs> Underwater manager wife.
1: <laughs> oh, this subgenre. This is like it's like sea punk.
2: See, so, yeah, like from now on, we're gonna have to figure out like how every other movie falls. Oh, what in wife? wife category. What wife
1: genre? Yeah. What yeah. H- which hyphen okay. wife? We're on. <laughs>
2: The internet's broken in my brain. This is all I can do to relate to the world now.
1: I think this is valid, valid leftist analysis on what what type of wife we're talking about at all times. <laughs> it's like how early on it was like where where which uh, what in the movie is the J O crystal? It's it's like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. We've been we've been really slacking on the J O crystal though.
1: In this movie it's definitely the aliens. <laughs> the, the aliens are the Jo crystal. They're like glowing and everything.
0: That's true. They're very jelly-like too. So yeah. they're like they're a nice crystal.
2: They're they're basically just deep. See, I mean, like I, I hate deep sea life. Like it's it really freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, because like the whole time I was I was like watching the movie, I was like also thinking, like, what about how scary bobbit worms are. <laughs> That's the true. Moray That's the true. eels
1: and shit, yeah. Or anglerfish, like, yeah.
2: You know, like if, if like the whole purpose was like, I'm going to go nuke, I have to throw this nuke down there because everything at the bottom of the sea is just horrifying. I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck, go, go nuts, for man. it.
1: Acceptable losses.
2: <laughs> everything down there is terrifying.
0: <laughs> it sounds like for most people, this film, the special edition particularly didn't work in terms of how it was edited, but if you have some time and you're interested in watching a undersea alien adventure with like more of just a completely underwater cake with a little bit of alien sprinkles on top, <laughs> uh, this is a fine option for your Tuesday evening. Is that sound right?
1: It's a good, yeah, it's a good like if it's on TV on a Sunday and you're like, you just want to lay around and eat pizza and not do anything and it's on tv
2: if you really like the subaquatic genre and your options are this movie or down periscope yes the
1: underwater weird. boss wife genre <laughs>
0: <laughs> see i'm a cancer so i love the water so this works for me <laughs> <laughs> next week we'll be discussing the 2015 george miller film mad max fury road you can find us on twitter at second star Cast. Uh, you can also find us at Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iTunes, and we'd love if you would rate and review us. Um, the feedback really helps us grow the cast. You can also find us individually um, on Twitter. Where else can we find you?
1: Uh, I, Bert, am on Twitter um, complaining about the Democratic primaries uh, at Refreshing Time. I'm on Twitch. Ace Ghost is my handle on there, playing video games, and I run at Space drill. Um, i chris am tweeting almost exclusively about magic the gathering at at ccr underscore grindcast
0: uh, my twitter handle is at a very big bear
2: and i'm at anime weed fart 69 and it's about as juvenile as you'd expect
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much everyone for listening and have a wonderful week